Well, let's welcome you back to This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And this week, Kevin and I are going to have Sioux Falls Canaries catcher, Shamoy Christopher, join us. But when you don't get your A-list guest, you bring in your A-plus guest. So we're happy to have the voice of the Canaries with us here tonight, Tanner Hoop. So, Tanner, thanks for joining us tonight. Hey, Rob, Kevin, always great being on. Uh, the check is in the mail. I, I don't know, uh, Shamoy's probably out celebrating that new contract, but uh, always happy to be on and make time for you guys. Well, we appreciate that, Tanner. You should have, like, played the part of Shamoy Christopher. <laughs> See how good my Shamoy is, right? See how long yeah. it takes someone to notice. Well, Tanner, before diving in, talking about what's going on around the Sioux Falls Canaries, what, what's here about what you got going on right now these days? Well, you know, they, they uh, do a good job keeping me busy up in the cities. You know, uh, the golfers are uh, in full swing right now. You know, volleyball season wrapped up in December, but we've still got stuff going on. The uh, program announced their spring schedule earlier today, which, Kevin, includes a, uh, an exhibition down in Faribault here in April. So, uh, looking forward to that. Uh, we've got our camp coming up a uh, week from Saturday. I'll be emceeing that. Uh, beyond that, you know, basketball is in uh, yeah, really in full swing right now. The men, uh, they've been playing really well. Had a tough one Sunday at Iowa, and, you know, the women uh, have taken a step forward this season. Wrestling is doing well, and baseball and softball are going to be starting here in the next, uh, I guess softball has already started, but uh, baseball gets going here in a few days, and you know, it's always something keeping you busy. Oh, and, of course, we have the uh, state high school hockey tournaments coming up here in the next couple of weeks. I'll be on the call for a couple of those. And, uh, you know, we've, we've got always something going on up here, which is great. This is a great time of year. You know, there's uh, – usually I would say the weather's starting to get warmer, but it really hadn't gotten cold, at least by Minnesota standards. It's been unseasonably warm. Uh, so it's kind of always felt like baseball's right around the corner. And, that is the truth. So it's going to be kind of a sprint here over the next few months or so with the high school championships, uh, you know, the, the NCAA uh, basketball and hockey tournaments, the Frozen Four coming to St. Paul this year. And uh, just like that, we'll be getting set for that May 1st report date to Sioux Falls. You know, Tanner, if, if you're doing the boys' tournament, then, you know, you're going to need to have a spotter. So I'm just going to throw that out there right now that um, my services are available if needed. We're going to do it. We'll make the dream team happen. I, I don't have to be on the air. Just get get me in the building. I can do some digging during the game, try to dig up some stats and some stories. And... You know, we'll make it happen. Well, I enjoyed our first trip to the X together, our first outing. That's what I should have started with, Rob. That was a big headline, what's been happening with me lately, uh, a night out with Kevin so. at the X. So, <laughs> yeah, but uh, let me tell you, no, they, they, absolutely. You know, we'll, uh, we'll find a way. We'll, if we have to sneak in, Kevin, we'll make it happen. But uh, as we all know, I, I take all the help I can get when I'm on the broadcast. And we should mention and that look. we should mention that tonight's Tonight's um, podcast is brought to you by Tom Reed's Hockey City Pub. <laughs> Great routine, I tell you. I, I always I'm, I'm whenever we go to Winnipeg. Oh, I'm sorry, Rob. No, no, go ahead. Whenever we go to Winnipeg, yeah. Yeah, every time we go to Winnipeg, you know, there's a few places I make sure to hit. I love the city of Winnipeg. It's one of my favorite places to go when we're on the road. But, you know, uh, we usually go up there twice a year, so – uh, it's always to Smoke's Poutinery, and I probably go there about four times over the course of a three-ish game series when we're up there. 
Um, that being said, you know, I've gone to a few different places stateside looking for some place that could hold a candle to that poutine. And, boy, Kevin and I finally found it last week. We had lunch at Tom Reed's out in St. Paul. And I tell you, there have uh, been a few places that put together a good poutine, but nothing stateside that can compete with Winnipeg or at least real Canadian poutine uh, without Tom Reed. So, hey, shout out if anyone's listening over there. Uh, appreciate you guys, and we'll be back. Well, you know, if you're going to call yourself a uh, hockey city pub, you you, you, you got to play the part completely, correct? You have to. You have to. And that place does such a great job in every aspect. I didn't realize poutine was on the menu. I guess I, I told you I'd never been there in the daylight before last week. Uh, but I saw the lunch menu. Poutine was on it. And you know what? Uh, that's always going to be the go-to. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious from you. What, you you doing professional baseball there in Sioux Falls and then do a lot of different kinds of sports there at the college for, for Minnesota. What's the vibe like for a broadcaster when you're doing games? I understand some of the sports are different, but is there a different feel to how the crowd is and things like that when you're broadcasting between professional and, and amateur like that? You know, it depends. A lot of it depends on how the, the team is that season, how it's going, uh, where the market is. You know, I, I'm really excited here because – uh, I'll be going down to Sioux Falls uh, a couple of times before the uh, the baseball report date. And, uh, you know, I've got a, a television broadcast lined up, four of them at the uh, new Midco Arena on the campus of Augustana. So I'm really excited to see what that place looks like. I've seen that building, how it's been constructed here over the last few months, and it looks really cool. Uh, but the atmosphere with that, you know, I've been to many games that – uh, the Denny and seeing the Stampede play, and they always are attended well. They have great fans in Sioux Falls. That's just with baseball, as biased as I might be. Uh, hockey, you know, they, they've got just great fans uh, overall down there. So I'm really excited to see what the vibe is like over at Augustana. But, you know, there is a different vibe, I think, sport to sport. You know, hockey fans are a different breed than football fans. And same with baseball versus basketball, whatever it may be. You know, there's there's a culture and an etiquette to everything. And I think a lot of that can. I don't like it to dictate the broadcast, but I think it certainly can bleed its way into it. Uh-oh. Well, let's talk a little bit about what you've seen so far and moves around the Canaries so far this season. Mike began the year by re-signing Jabari Henry, a fan favorite around the Sioux Falls area for quite a while. But, from what you've seen and what's been going on so far, what what are your thoughts about Myers' early signings of the club? Yeah, I like what we're doing. We, you know, we're bringing a lot of the old gang back from last season. You know, we're we're hoping maybe we can run it back and add a couple of pieces, which we've done. You know, hopefully, uh, uh, as we continue to fill out the roster, we bring back a few more of those familiar faces, and maybe we supplement uh, somebody new. But you're going to see a lot of the old faces, at least those who ended the season and made that run uh, with us last year. Um, you're going to see a lot of them back in the Canaries uniform this year, which is great. You know, it's a, a wonderful group. The, the vibe in the clubhouse was so much fun, especially once we got to uh, late July and August, September. Um, it was just a great vibe and a great atmosphere and a lot of fun guys to be around. So um, we're continuing to kind of build that core back, and I'm excited to see who we supplement that with. You know, we're going into it with the mindset um, we, we did something special last year. You know, we're changing the culture uh, we got to the postseason. Now we want to go farther. And now I think maybe we were a little shell-shocked. I think maybe we got to the, the actual playoffs and maybe got a little bit tight. I think this year, you know, we've got the expectation that, you know, we're not going to be a feel-good story. We're going to be a team that 
expects to get back this year. And now, you know, we've got that postseason experience. How do we translate that? Uh, you know, and now that we're a little acclimated, how do we continue to uh, take the next step and move the franchise forward? Talking about culture, you've been around the Canaries for a few years, and there, there has been a lot of transition in many different aspects of the Canaries. You know, um, Mike has really tried to, to get the right kind of pieces around there. He's tried to stick with a core group of guys to help build that, but what what do you feel has been the difference in that culture maybe from three years ago when you first got there heading into this season? Well, Mike, uh, it starts with him, and he he does a great job setting the tone. You know, he uh, he has a good feel of what the clubhouse, uh, what the vibe is there, and, uh, you know, when he needs to, you know, kind of get up on you to get a little more out of you and when he needs to, you know, let you – uh, do your own thing and back off a little bit. You know, he's just, he's got his finger on the pulse and, and really, uh, manages as such. You know, it, it's amazing to me. You know, I'm going on my third season with them. Uh, the vibe between last year's clubhouse and my first season back in 22 when we were, uh, 33 and 67, night and day different. You know, you just got, you look at some of the vets out there that you've got. And you just you set the tone. You know, those guys set the tone as much as, well, it's similar to how Mike does. And, you know, Mike's always going to, you know, be the the guy controlling the thermostat. But you don't, as, as much as you can from a manager, you know, you've got to have veteran leaders in that clubhouse who uh, are going to do the same thing and be an extension of that manager. So um, we had those kind of guys in place last season. We supplemented them with a really good core group of young guys that, you know, were quick learners. And they were willing to learn. They were willing to be taught. They were coachable, uh, which is one of the reasons I'm so excited that we're getting most of these guys to come back and, you know, hopefully run it back and continue to build on last year's success. Looking at that success, uh, the team started out struggling early on in the year and then really seemed to embrace the new philosophy that Mike had about how to build last year's club, a lot of stolen bases, do you anticipate that same kind of structure going into this year, and how how do you see teams responding to the way that they played last year? Yeah, I think uh, Mike did a good job kind of feeling the way that the league was trending. You know, we saw stolen bases up all throughout the league last season, and we knew that was going to have to be something that we could excel at and make a strength for us. You know, the pitching staff was something that had been down in Sioux Falls for a number of years, and we did a good job addressing that last offseason, bringing in – uh, several key pieces, both at the front and the back of the, the staff, the rotation, what have you. And, uh, you know, we just we realized where the league was headed and what areas we needed to address. And, you know, I, I credit Mike, I credit Duel in the front office and everybody who went and putting that roster together. Um, you know, the birdcage is what it is. It's, it's a weird dynamic when you go there. You know, it's, it's just a very atypical place to play. Um, it's the reality of things. So, you know, how do, how do you go about building a winning pro, uh, franchise and a winning culture there? And, you know, those guys uh, tried a few different formulas, and they really found something toward the, last, uh, the end of last season that I think uh, we're certainly encouraged by, and I hope the fans are as well. Do you feel like the mentality of the players is now they embrace what they have with the birdcage and they know its quirks? And instead of being upset that they have to play there, they've embraced it and just made it their own. Hundred percent. You know, it's it's just the reality of things that you know you're playing the hands that you're dealt, and there can be a lot of fun. Thing. I'm not saying that the cage is a 
is a place where nobody wants to go play. You know, if you're an offensive player, you're going to like it a lot more than being a pitcher. But, um, you know, if you're a slugger, certainly it's going to be more attractive to you. But it's all about if you get enough reps there, even as a pitcher, you can find a way to be successful there. You know, you can be a good pitcher in Sioux Falls. I think there's a, a stereotype and a negative mentality around the league that, you know, if you're a good pitcher, that's the last place you want to go sign with. But if you put in the work, you get the reps, and, of course, you've got the, the, the coaching uh, around that, which we had certainly with uh, with Mike and Ty last season, um, you can be a successful pitcher in Sioux Falls. It, it, it's painted kind of in a way that um, you, you can't be a good pitcher there. That if you want to succeed as a pitcher and get noticed, you need to go sign with Kane County. But you know, as we've seen with uh, with Ty and with Akeem and several guys who've had success on the bump in Sioux Falls, um, if you put in the work, you're willing to continue to commit to your craft and learn uh, how that, that place plays, and of course have the trust that the guy behind you is going to make the play, you can really be a successful pitcher in Sioux Falls. Ty Colbreth served last year as pitching coach as well, helping out Mike to build that staff. Had probably his rockiest season with the club. Um, always that guy that you know, would give up some runs in games, but you knew you were going to get seven or eight innings out of him every time. He was going to give you his heart and soul every contest that he was out there for. What, what, you know, what becomes his role? Because I'm wondering if, if there's a continual slide for him. Do you see him remaining in that rotation or, or taking more of just a coaching role and, and leaving it at that? Well, like you said, Rob, he's a gamer. He's going to go out there, and it's never going to be a question of effort. You know, you're never going to get a lack of effort from Ty. Uh, you know, he takes tremendous pride in what he does and being one of those tone setters for the guys. Do I think he's going to stay in the rotation, be a big staple as far as that? Absolutely. I think he's uh, certainly one of the, the guys that we have uh, in our future, you know, as a core, especially the way that he finished last season. Because, like you said, it was an up-and-down season after he had a – Pretty strong 22. I thought he was probably our best starting pitcher in 22. Uh, a tough start to last season, and then about uh, toward the All-Star break, um, he flipped it around, and he not only became one of our best pitchers, but league-wide, his numbers stacked up with a lot of guys who were represented uh, at their respective uh, clubs at the All-Star game in Milwaukee. So um, we're looking forward to seeing what he looks like this year. You know, if, if he uh, keeps that level of uh, high caliber play going for the course of a five month season, but I tell you this, he has been training like crazy. You know, I've been following what he's been doing down in Texas. Um, you know, of course, he's got his uh, different organizations that uh, he continues his coaching philosophy with. But I know he's putting in the work. He's training. I know a lot of our guys have gone down there and trained together and uh, just kind of kept that core unit together, which you know makes me even more optimistic that uh, not only can you know individuals continue to take steps forward, but they're going to do it together. You know, that we've got guys who are all challenging each other, holding each other accountable, uh, you know, as they train with each other, putting in the work and pushing each other. And, uh, and hopefully that'll translate to everybody taking a collective step forward here in 2024. Do you feel like uh, having a veteran core where, you know, you have someone like in the Kim Bosick who's had a taste of major league experience. You've got Mike Hart that has, become a premier partner league player that has had a lot of teammates, has connections. Do you feel like having those guys around, they could be guys that can reach out to players that are looking for a place to play and say, hey, you know, come out to Sioux Falls. We think you're going to like it here. And do you feel like that could also 
lead to the culture even becoming better. A hundred percent. You know, it's like anything. It's all about who you know. And baseball is such a community. It's a tight-knit organization. Um, but, you, you know, you pick up connections everywhere where you're uh, playing with a guy one season. You're a member. He's got talent. You know, he's looking for a spot to land. And you think he'd be a good fit for this. So I know those guys are always talking. Everybody's, um, you know, keeping in touch. And it's always, uh, I should say, it's easier to do it more so now than ever with things like social media. Everybody's uh, got each other on Snapchat, whatever it may be. So, um, you know, the NBA might call it tampering. I don't know. But but we uh, we embrace it, I think, in a lot of ways, especially at the partner league level. And, um, you know, those guys are well-connected. You know, there, there's no doubt about that. So if they're out there, they're pitching to somebody, I think you'd be a really good fit here. You know, we're, we're, we're trending upwards as a franchise, as an organization. Uh, we want you to be a part of this. I think you'd really help. Uh, I don't have any doubt that that's going on, and I'm really excited to see as this roster continues to take shape, um, as much as I want to bring the core group back from last season, what new faces we have to continue to help us hit that next level. Uh, Rob and I are old on the Snapchat. Is that anything like MySpace? It's really not. <laughs> I mean, you have it on your phone. I don't, I don't know if MySpace ever had a phone app. I think that might have been more of a – Computer well, thing, that's, but, the uh, that's MySpace's fault. Yeah, yeah, and MySpace was just maybe a little ahead of its time. I actually was never on MySpace. I, I don't know. I shouldn't assume that it doesn't doesn't have a phone app, what have you. But um, yeah, everybody's on Snapchat nowadays. You two, I, I'm surprised you two weren't on Snapchat. Oh, I, I don't know. I between the Facebook, the kids go on now, and and the Twitter machine. You know, that's just, those two are just, that fills my time enough. I don't know about this. I love that you call it, I love that you call it the Facebook and the Snapchat. Yeah, it it adds a little old man tone to it. You know, the Facebook, the Facebook, the kids, they go on nowadays, you know. (laughs) It isn't the? When did that change? I I thought it was that way. I go with it. Now I and I have I, I'm asking for some inside information from you here, Tanner, tonight. And I'm I'm hoping you're willing to to open up to us a little bit. But could you explain to us why everybody hates Mike Hart? Because I'm trying to figure out how a guy gets hit 28 times in 85 games. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the fun elements about Mike is that you know he is an absolute gamer. You know he's willing to do anything possible you know he'd cut off his leg if it would help the team win a baseball game you know people take notice of that you know not only his teammates but the season ticket holders the casual fans who become regulars you know everybody takes note of that he's a really easy guy to root for um does that mean you know willing to stand in there a little longer if you think a pitch is going to break inside uh, for a guy like that, absolutely. But, you know, he's one of those guys that, yeah, it's the running joke that, you know, he shatters the league record for hit-by-pitches this season. Um, you know, it's a running joke to say that and nobody must like him, you know, you know, league-wide. But, you know, he's a guy that just he does command so much respect because uh, he's willing to hang in there a little bit, sacrifice the body if needed, if that means an extra 90 feet, whatever it may be. Um, I don't think he's up there looking to get hit by a pitch. I just think that, you know, he's he's not going to bail out necessarily. Because, and it's not that he's, you know, trying to lean into something. I just think that, you know, you never know. If something's going to break back over the plate, you've got a chance to hit it 450 feet, uh, which he's certainly capable of doing. And I think that's, that's what he likes more. I think that's probably his favorite aspect of the game. So 
Um, you know, whatever it takes to uh, to continue to move his team forward is what Mike is going to do, and I think that's why uh, you can you continue to see the legend of Mike Hart grow in Sioux Falls and beyond. You see, it happens. Roger Dorn gets hit once by a pitch, and he feels like he's going to be going to the grave, and Mike Hart can just keep humming along. So, well, Roger Dorn ended up being an executive for the Twins, right? By the time they made that third movie, they never should have made. So, I don't know. What does that mean for Mike Hart? Is you know, is there a step above being exec for the for the Twins? Maybe the Red Sox for him? Yeah, you know, hard to say. Well, I'm just wondering, it didn't really end with him. You guys had four guys who had double-digit hit-by-pitches, and I'm thinking, I mean, talk about taking one for the team. 93 hit-by-pitches this season. That 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 seems like a lot to me, Tanner. <laughs> it certainly is a lot, and, you know, it, it probably seems like more for the guys who are actually out there wearing it. But, you know, I think that that goes back to Mike being a leader, uh, leader and, you know, his leadership setting the tone um that you know guys see his example that you know you're not just going to bail out because maybe a pitch is deceiving maybe it looks like it's coming in but instead it's going to break back over and you miss out on a chance to send something over the left field fence so i think there's just a few guys that you know recognize that they see there's a guy out there sacrificing his body everything is meaningful here down the stretch so you know no reason that we shouldn't shy away from anything and just think about that think about what these athletes do you know they get hit by a ball well let's say on the low side going 85 miles an hour that's at least 10 miles per hour faster than a speeding regular car and they take it and they run the first base a lot of times they don't even rub it but if any of us three took a ball like that we're down you're not getting us back up you know, when I think back to, uh, you know, my very brief playing days, the only thing that comes close is when I was in fourth grade, I think I led the Storm Lake Youth Baseball League in hit-by-pitches with, like, 19 or something like that. I, I don't know what I was doing. I, maybe maybe I was just – maybe people didn't like me. I don't know, because I wasn't looking to get hit. But, man, it, it, it's like uh, I always say that you have to be a different breed mentally to be a goalie in hockey, just to sit there for 60 minutes and let people shoot vulcanized rubber at you at 100-something miles an hour. Uh, but, man, baseballs, those things don't feel good either. So, you know, it, there's a there's an element to it, I think, where you've just got to want it more than the pain. You know, you've got to want to have that desire to be great, to help your team win, to take that next step as a player in an organization. Uh, yeah, it's going to sting, but you're going to get a bruise of the cool story to go out of it. Do we know, is there a Storm Lake baseball media guy that we can look at to see if you're, if that record is still yours? You know, I can dig deep and uh, maybe we'll find something. I, I would say doubtful, but, uh, you know, I feel pretty confident that uh, that if the old media guy came uh, from Storm Lake Youth Baseball that, you know, you'd see Tanner Hoops from 2003, whatever year it was, <laughs> somewhere up there toward the top. I, I think we would know, Kevin, that if we went to the school with Tanner and a bunch of kids ran up asking for autographs from him, you're the guy who got hit 19 times, then we would know. That, you know it's probably living in lore among the school annals there. So uh, I think we could go with that. We're well, right on. So uh, looking forward to this season, 
Um, Mike Hart is—we haven't seen him officially sign yet. Is, is he going to be back with the club? Do you think, or we don't know at this point? Yeah, we're still uh, still exploring some things, still uh, talking things over with Mike. I think there's a lot of optimism that uh, we will have him back this season. You know, as you guys know, he was he was struggling. I think to stay on the field a little bit toward the end of last season. You know, his his uh, his legs were giving him some issues, and uh, you know, I know that that was something that was on his mind. He was going to take the off season, kind of evaluate where he is and. Uh, where he's at with his health and, you know, and what he wants to get out of his career. So, um, you know, I, I know the guys don't want to push him on that decision, don't want to rush him, what have you, because you know, obviously it's a big decision. He's a big part of our club. And uh, regardless of whether he signs or not, he's you know going to be a legend here in Sioux Falls for forever. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that we haven't seen the last of Mike. Um, but, you know, as far as how close uh, the team is to getting that done, to uh, making that happen, uh, I don't have inside information, but you know, I, I, I am excited to see because one way or another, his influence uh, with this team, it's not over. Whether he's uh, on the field playing for us, whether he's exclusively a coach, or you know, whether it's uh, just being one of the greatest ever put on the Sioux Falls uniform, uh, that legacy is not going away anytime soon. You know, I'm curious about him, too. You got to watch him play every day. And, and one of the things that Mike had talked to me about like four or five years ago was, you know, Mike Hart is one of those guys who plays 190 miles an hour all the time, and, and his manager was worried about him just trying to take it a little easy so he didn't put himself as much at risk so he'd stay on the field. You're watching him out there battling every day. Do you feel like there's any part of him that is letting up a little bit to keep himself healthier so he is able to play 90, 95 games, or is, or is it still just – crazy jumping, you know, barrel first into the wall if he has to go. I think that he is fighting that battle himself as much as he can. Uh, you know, he's trying to convince himself internally that it's a marathon, not a sprint. But, you know, he is that type of gamer that, uh, you know, every play that can be made, he wants to make it. You know, he, he don't want to give up on anything. It's not in his DNA. And, you know, I think that there's uh, there's people around him who have – you know, I've been around the game long enough that, you know, can tell you from experience, uh, Mike, you know, we want to, we want to keep you healthy for the long run. Um, you know, and you might need to, uh, you know, change how you go about things a little bit. So, and, and he knows that, you know, he's smart. He knows his body better than anybody. Uh, so it's just about, you know, him, I think, trying to convince himself and say, I'm, I'm getting older. You know, I, I'm not, you know, the, the, young gun I used to be, you know, he's, he's still, still a, a good age, let's say that, but, um, you know, as you get older, you know, the body changes, takes a toll on you a little bit more than it used to, so um, I think he's, he knows that, he's um, fighting that battle internally right now just to say that, you know, I need to, I need to give myself the length, I need to give myself the ability to let my, to listen to my body, uh, let it recover and heal as needed, and, uh, and and see that I can be here for the long haul. He knows that. I know it's not in his nature to be some guy who who plays less than 190 miles an hour, but um, but you know he knows that, and the people around him know that. Now, besides talking about changes in the the team itself, you know, there's been quite a few broadcasters that have worked their way through Sioux Falls over the last decade. You know, I've just been involved in the league myself, and so. You look like you become a fixture here. Is, is this where you want to be every summer? It looks like you're just enjoying being a Canaries guy. Yeah, I love it. You know, I love being at a world-class stadium every day, uh, being around great people. You know, you get to know these guys really well, the travel and the bus rides. And, 
you know, you, you form bonds with these guys that extend beyond the, uh, the, the field, the stadium, uh, whatever it may be. And, you know, this is a great organization. You know, I grew up, uh, found this league in Northwestern Iowa. It's always been a great league. And, you know, I know Sioux Falls is an organization that's uh, traditionally been down. You know, they've, they've had some tough seasons more often than not. Uh, but this is a great organization. You know, it's a historic stadium. I love the city. I, I love the city of Sioux Falls. You know, my brother uh, is out there recently, graduated from Augie. And, you know, he's, a, he's a, certainly a fixture there. And, um, you know, it's kind of like a second home for me when I get down there. Uh, I love where I'm at in my career right now. You know, the, the Twin Cities is, uh, is home. You know, it's, um, it's, you know, home base with the, with the Golden Gopher work here. But um, I'm just really thankful that everybody on the Learfield aspect of things uh, and everybody with the organization in Sioux Falls and, and beyond uh, has allowed me to, to continue to do this, you know, to, to make Sioux Falls my second home every summer. And, you know, it's an organization I have a lot of respect for, obviously a historic organization, and it's a privilege to be able to narrate those guys' stories every time they go out there. So being able to give a little consistency to the organization, you know, as far as letting fans get familiar with a voice, and, uh, you know, and, and it's an honor for me that people invite me into their homes uh, any given night to tune into Canaries games. It's not something I take lightly. And, you know, again, we have great fans out in Super Bowls. I love those guys. And uh, uh, it's, it's, it's really cool knowing that, um, you know, I'm, I am I, that I'm thought of as a fixture out there. And not to mention your intern from last year landed a spot. So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, congratulations. Jake Brown recently uh, started his first uh, professional job up in Morris, Minnesota, other side of the state. And, um, you know, he's about set to embark as the new uh, play-by-play voice of the U.M. Morris Cougars and uh, and their baseball season uh, just about to get underway. So, um, you know, he's a guy that obviously got to uh, sit in there with me and be on the call for some really special moments, a a really special season last year. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does up in northwestern Minnesota. I, I've, I've got two ideas for a name for a, a sports show he could have out there. All right. First, first one is Down with the Brown. Mm. And the other one, Brown Eye on Sports. <laughs> I, I like them both, but, uh, you know, if i got to give a professional recommendation, it's, it's, it's got to be your first one. <laughs> Yeah, I think the uh, the other one might face some censoring of some kind. I have a feeling. So, uh, the FCC yeah, might have an forward, issue with it. <laughs> looking forward to next season here, uh, Tanner. You guys start out with a lot of games against the Eastern Division. I I, I thought that was an interesting little beginning to the year here. And, uh, you know, usually they've tried to have it so where teams were battling off in the own division, so you got a little taste of what the, the season was going to hold for everybody. But, how do you like that when you're, I think you're only six games early on of the first 20-something are against Western Division opponents? You're going to see a lot outside the division early on. Yeah, I'll say this, that, you know, I can't speak for everybody, but I'm guessing that it was the first reaction I had when I saw the schedule, and I'm guessing I'm not the only one. We are playing two Eastern Division teams in one road swing. We didn't have that all of last season. We had six separate trips out to the Eastern Division. We didn't get to play anybody multiple times when we were out there. So we had to go six separate times out where we were. Uh, opening day, of course, being in Lake Country and then uh, King County before we get home. So, um, you know, travel is what it is. You know, it's, it's part of the industry. You know what you're getting into. 
Um, but that being said, you know, you cut down on that a little bit and then, uh, um, you know, let the rest take care of itself. I think one of the more underrated aspects of that is, yeah, our schedule's light on divisional opponents early on, but that means it's going to be loaded toward the end of the season. And we expect to be in the playoff chase this year. We certainly hope we are, and I think a lot of us expect us to be. And, you know, those are the teams, the teams that maybe you're chasing or the teams you're fighting off. You don't have to worry about what's happening elsewhere in the league. You get to go up against those guys and, you know, and uh, be your own either worst enemy or be your best friend, you know, and go out and uh, take care of business for yourself. Now, I got in trouble last year for a controversial blog on talking about the league travel. And I, I've seen it all around. It, it, to me, it just – it looks a lot better this year, just league-wide. And I'm, I'm going to take credit for it, even though it doesn't have a damn thing to do with me. But it's stuck by a computer, but I am still going to BS myself into thinking I had nothing to do with it. Yeah, I, I don't know how the, the schedules, what the algorithm is, how that's put together. People a lot smarter than me do it. And again, you know, it's not something. I mean, if that's if that's something like that keeps you out of the the business as a player, or a coach, a manager, or a broadcaster, anybody who's got to you know uh, travel and be part of those 100 games, and you know, the industry is not for you. I think that's you know not just the case here, but uh, really any level, you know, from uh, here, AAA, whatever it may be. Uh, long travel, long bus ride is going to be a part of it. So I don't know what the algorithm is for that, but. Yeah, I do like the look of the schedule this season. You know, um, um, you get to go to, to some, some great cities and, you know, see some people that, you know, you get to know over the years. I mean, I have my favorite people that I like to uh, get in contact with when we go to visiting stadiums and um, always look forward to seeing them, you know. So uh, I am excited about the way the schedule looks this year, and I can't wait for it to get going. So as a broadcaster, back and forth, a six-game road trip as opposed to a three-game, is that we're talking a lot more clothes involved, or are we talking uh... – early visit to the hotel laundry room or, you know, how do you guys handle that? I I personally don't think I've ever used a hotel laundry room. So I just, I'd rather just pack for the week, you know? So if I'm out there for six days, I'm packing seven days worth of clothes because you never know what's going to happen. You know, <laughs> weird things happen sometimes when you're in the road. Um, you know, buses can break down. Buses can hit a deer in Northwestern Iowa, as we saw last season. I'm sorry, Northeastern Iowa, you know, but, um, you know, either or, uh, weird things can happen. You just got to kind of be prepared for everything. And that's one of the things is, you know, as, as a broadcaster, I always say no one can ever out-prepare me, pride myself on being ready for anything, having more information than I know I'm going to need. And I try to keep the same energy, do the same thing when it comes to clothes and packing for when you know you're, you're going to be on the road for a long time. I don't think I could use a hotel laundry room because you don't know what was in that washer or dryer before your stuff was. Yeah, that's a, that's another good point. You know, it's one of those things where you're uh, you're thankful every time you get home, and you know, you just your clothes just feel different. They just hit different, right? Smell a little bit cleaner when you've got that home washing machine. So yeah, those uh, those hotel bags uh, that they've got hung up, you know, the laundry bags and the the closets when you get there. Um, that thing gets pretty full. That thing takes up about 70% of my suitcase by the time we get back. But, um, you know, it, it's part of the lifestyle. Again, if that's a deal breaker for you, you're not in the right industry. Uh, for those no. keeping track, now this is two weeks in a row in which laundry yeah, I was just going to say that. I was just going to say that. In the history of this show, for, for almost eight years now, 
and we'd never talked about laundry once. Now it's two weeks in a row. So, so while we're at it, I guess you might as well ask Tanner. So, who, who are we endorsing? Tide, all. What, what, what's what's the brand for us there? Uh, I'm a big Tide Pod guy. You know, Tide Pods are an acceptable <laughs> Christmas gift for me. That doesn't mean I'm out there putting it on my list, asking Santa to bring me some Tide Pods. But, you know, that's something that it's an underrated thing that, you know, you go through a lot of them pretty darn quick. But, you know, boy, they're handy. They get the job done. They're effective. I like it. I like that a lot. And I, wow. to, to go on my previous statement of not wanting to use a hotel washing machine, to me, and it's right up there with it, I have never, nor could I ever, do like a truck stop shower. No, like no I said, I, I'm you right with you on that. What happened in that shower before you use it? And there's no <laughs> amount of water or hot water soap that's going to clean any of those images out of my mind. So I'll get so down to my last year. Last uh, last fall, you know, we had just clinched uh, our spot in the postseason the night of our last home game. So, you know, the party was on. That was right before we went down to Cleburne for that four-game set to end the regular season. So uh, the party was on down there. We're doing champagne showers. We're getting everything possible. All Every drink under the sun, it seemed like, was there, alcoholic or non-alcoholic. I'm not specifying, but, um, you know, Everything was out there, and everything was being dumped on everybody. It did not matter what role you had in the organization. You were not getting away from Jabari and getting just poured on. So um, all that's going on until the wee hours of the morning before our 1.30 departure and 1.30 in the morning something, whatever it was, to Cleburne. So uh, all of us get on there. We're just reeking of these beverages. We're, uh, we're sticky, what have you. Everybody's hair is matted and starting to get a little crusty, whatever it may be. feels like there's gel in it once it dries. Uh, everybody gets on the bus. You know, I, I'm thankful our bus driver, you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, is professional and never uh, partook in anything, you know. But uh, but that being said, you know, if if that was a car, you know, if, that, if we were all riding in a car down there, we would be so screwed. If, like, a cop pulled us over and said, I did <laughs> smell an odor, something like that. Um, but then we, you know, we, we all sleep through the night on the bus. We wake up some, I don't know, it was like 9.30 in the morning. A lot of us finally, you know, start uh, waking up collectively, chattering, what have you. And we pull over at a McDonald's somewhere in central Oklahoma. And I just, I wish I could, <laughs> I wish I had a camera. I know I'm always going to see the faces of the workers in there, but when you get, 25 guys, 25, 30 guys, just all smelling of the same beverages, all disheveled, just walking into this McDonald's and ordering breakfast to start your day. And, you know, we could have gone next door to the truck stop, taking a shower, but that's eh, not in the agenda. It's not, it's not part of what we do. And for truck drivers out there, please send your complaints to Tanner Hoops at SiouxFallsCanaries.com there. So I just want to, just want to point that out right now. Well, Tanner, man, that's awesome having you on again tonight. And now you're a super veteran. So we get a great final thought out of you here for us today. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you guys having me on as always. And yeah, I'm really excited for what this season looks like. You know, we're continuing to build in the right direction. We've got some really cool promotions coming out. I think the uh, 
uh, schedule dropped here the last week or so, and it's available on our website. And, you know, even when we're not in town, the cage is going to be popping. You see, uh, it's, it's like my middle school dance playlist going to be performing there in uh, mid-August, you know, Lil John and Chingy, and, you know, it's, it's going to be a good lineup. So there's a lot of cool stuff happening in Sioux Falls this year. Like it. Tanner Hoops, thanks for joining Kevin and I this week. Thanks for doing this. Hey, you guys, you guys are awesome. Appreciate all that you do, and thanks for having me. Well, Kevin, great having Tanner Hoops on us with again tonight here. We always love having Tanner on. And a special thanks to Tanner for helping me get the show completely off the rails once again tonight. So, but, you know, if we were just like baseball by the numbers and strictly baseball talk, I mean, it's it's middle of February. You know, you get a little boring after a while. So, you know, sometimes you sometimes you got to head off the script, and you just never know what fun stories are going to pop up. And I thought that was a pretty fun one about the trip to Cleburne for the Canaries. Absolutely. And, and uh, I think we're the only baseball podcast show in America that has talked about laundry two episodes in a row. So it's so nice. Give us a... World Almanac record uh, here here tonight. Uh, yeah, so, you know we've become a Tide podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. You know he was talking a little bit about promotions coming up for the season. I was looking across Sioux Falls promotions for the year. That Seinfeld night they have going on. It seems it's always an office night. So uh, l- l- trying some different uh, different old NBC shows, I guess, to get the attention of fans out there. I've noticed ever since they've got their video board in a few years back, they love to do the TV and movie theme nights. And I guess it's one that can be easily executed. So, good on them. I just want to say that August 9th is Area 51 night, and I want to see how Tanner is dressed that night, because that's got to be a primo one. Now, I'm going to sound dumb on this. Um, Smart me up on this Area 51 thing. Isn't that the where all of the aliens are supposed to be housed in New Mexico or Nevada or wherever that is? And to, it, it, uh, it's like a big, secure area. Okay. So Rob, I don't see I'm how Tanner's dressed for that. need to pay attention to such things, I guess. I'm a little narrow-minded on that front. No, it's just that you don't waste your time with silliness like those, those kind of things out there. That's that's really what it is. So I appreciate that. Well, it's going to be very interesting, Kevin, to looking forward to the season to see if Sioux Falls is able to keep that magic 2023 into, into this coming season. And, uh, wow, what a job Mike Meyer did last year of getting this club to turn around. And so um, just – out of out of the box, no, we don't we don't know anything about how the season's going. Do, do you see this team returning to the playoffs next year? Well, yeah, very well. I can see this team returning, and you know, I think they've got the right culture there, and you know, and I think too. And every, I remember George Samus used to have a video he would play for prospective players that highlighting CHS field and playing in St. Paul. You know, I've been, obviously been out to Sioux Falls quite a bit, and my wife and I even did, like, a a family trip out there. And we went out there so we could use our water park and 
they got a really neat um, looks marketplace out there, a real nice restaurant and the, uh, a lively downtown and Falls Park. I mean, it's a very nice city, and I think that is something. Granted, ball players are there to play baseball, but you know they also want to live somewhere nice for the summer. And Sioux Falls is a very nice city, and I think. More and more so, if I were the Canaries, I would be selling the city as much as I would the baseball team. Amazing area. And I I know a lot of people don't like it, but I think that birdcage is a super fun park to go watch games in. So um, I, I love going there myself. It gives, it, well, well, it, gives, it gives off Midway Stadium vibes for me for someone that used to spend yeah. a lot of time there, So Good comparison, as a matter of fact. Well, let's talk a little bit about news around the American Association, Kevin, and we'll begin with Fargo, as they, I believe we mentioned this last week a little bit, but sign infielder uh, Peter Brookshaw returns to the club. They trade infielder Ryan Cash to Tri-City for a player to be named later, and Fargo also, I think, then all that was it for them. Gary had a number of acquisitions this week, Gary, starting with um, signing and re-signing infielder Jackson Valera. They also re-signed... Uh, Franklin Perez, and bring in Francisco Devalier also returning to the club. And guys that have had a, a bit of a time here and Gary Southshore. But I just wonder, Kevin, I, I got to feel like this team needs to make some splashing moves pretty soon because that Eastern Division is, is passing them by. And unless they come up with, you know, some premium starting pitching and some power to that team, they're just not going to be able to compete with Chicago, Cleburne group teams like that in this division. It is definitely going to be a meat grinder in the East Division. There's no doubt on that front. And maybe the hope in Gary is that you bring the pieces back, and it's going to be a thing where you hope that team chemistry will be able to overcome a potential experience deficit. As we mentioned at the start of the show, uh, Sioux Falls resigned a catcher, Shamoy Christopher. And this is a story I love, too, Kevin, because, you know, four, three, four seasons ago, Shamoy Christopher is a guy filling in because they're down both of their catchers, and they bring in this young kid to come and fill a spot. And he just remained with the club. He just found a niche here in Sioux Falls. And I love those stories. I love how a guy just finds his way into the the, the fabric of the team and really just becomes part of the, the team itself and within the community. And it's, you know, it's an underdog story, too. You know, it's no secret. Shamoy is not the guy that's going to hit 20 homers and bat 300. But he's a guy that Mike Meyer has a lot of trust in, and the pitchers obviously like pitching to him. So, you know, every team's got to have a guy that fills the role. So, you know, it'll be, I believe, the third season in Sioux Falls for Christopher. Lake Country also has a number of signings this week. Right-handed pitcher Michael McGavin, I believe is the way that is said. Uh, outfielder Thomas Jones returned to the club, and they add outfielder Justin Connell and right-handed pitcher Shelby Lackey. Kansas City signs left-handed pitcher Jake Cantleberry, and I'm missing one other team out here. Lincoln, I think, is the team. And they are. Lincoln signs infielder Dakota Connors, and Cleburne signs infielder Carter Aldretti. Oh, and I forgot, Winnipeg signs right-handed pitcher Zach Renninger. Will be uh, all the transitions from this week. Moving on to the Frontier League, Kevin. uh, Can I address one of those transactions in Fargo? Please do. 
Could you say that Fargo traded cash for future considerations? Yes, they did. That's exactly what you could say, as a matter of fact. That's exactly what you could say. Uh, in the Frontier League, Lake Erie uh, also names their – finishes off their coaching staff. So Jeremy Gonzalez is named as the hitting coach. Jonathan Albeladejo, I guess is the way you say that, probably a lot better and smoother than I did. Will we take over as the pitching coach? The uh, the Yalls also signed two guys out of the California Winter League. And usually I've been really good about doing some stuff on the California Winter League, but I was oblivious to this this year for whatever reason. They're actually down to the playoffs beginning here uh, this week. And I guess part of it is is that there's like no American Association guys in this year. Usually there was like four or five guys whose names were recognizable to me, but um, not a single guy I, that I saw on the, the end of these rosters came out of our league. So I'm not, you know, but I guess this is not the place to go to anymore or something. So what can you do? Uh, and then what I think is the fun story of the week, Kevin, is uh, in the Atlantic League, Gastonia just decides to get rid of the Honey Hunters altogether and and signed a deal with the Atlantic League to put another team in Gastonia in that same stadium. And I thought, wow. I mean, I think Gastonia was like competing for the championship or something for a while there. And now they're just out and they suck another team in there. How about, how about that for fun this offseason? I wonder how that works with, uh, will they be able to retain the rights of the players that they had under contract or is it just going to be a situation where you uh, it's going to be like an expansion team where you just start from scratch again. It'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But with the ownership situation in the last year, I mean, something obviously had to be done. It was well chronicled within those that follow Partner League Baseball that it was a mess in Gastonia all season. Yeah, I guess they owed $100,000 in bills to, like, police security and paramedics that never never paid that. and. We've seen this over the last, I think, half dozen years, Kevin, that there's been a lot of teams out there that just haven't paid their bills. Or something. I, I don't understand how you get away with that for so long, but um, it, it's, it's, you know, I, I wish some of these ownership groups would see that you're partners in this community and not just to be taking all the time. So um, hopefully that, that gets straightened out out there because that's sad. Hundred thousand dollars. That's a lot of money to not be paying to firefighters and police officers and things. So that's why you really shouldn't rush into expansion. You know, every year, yeah, we'd love to be talking about two new teams every year, but the fact is, is that the American Association is going to do a good job vetting these markets to make sure that one, you got a ballpark; two, it's a viable market for it; and three the ownership group is solid and you know it's not going to be something where they're going to be making headlines for the wrong reasons. So I know as much as we'd love to have like an 18-20 team league for Rob and I to futilely try to follow, um, it's good that they do their homework and take things, do things carefully and do it the right way. Absolutely. And one thing we're, we're always appreciative of the two Joshes is that they do a lot of homework before deciding to give somebody a shot and joining the league. So a lot of talk about teams trying to join, Kevin, but we haven't seen any get, any ones get in there. And I 
you know, they're trying to make sure because what was it? It's uh, Murphy's World that was trying to get a team in, already talking like they were in the American Association. And then a few couple of months ago, we're seeing that they haven't even got a ballpark deal in place. So um, a lot of talk doesn't mean that they're going to deliver on what they promise. Like I've always said, you get back to me when the shovel hits the dirt. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how about shout-outs for this week, Kevin? Um, I want to give the first shout-out to my four dogs at home, um, going from oldest to youngest, Millie, Yoshi, Maisie, and Ovi, because their mommy is on a cruise right now, so they are stuck home with dad all week, and they miss their mom a lot, but... I'm sure you can hear the one squeaking the toy right now, but they're, they're trying to get by without mommy around and being stuck with dad all week. So, you know, keep your prayers out that um, by the time mommy gets home that the dogs will be doing all right and be ready to welcome her home from a trip. And my other shout out, and this is going to be in a... It's a shout out, but maybe not in the most positive direction. Okay. Okay, guys. I'm a partial Minnesota Wild season ticket holder. And I sent a text to my season ticket rep today. Said, hey, you know, if you got any more rally towels from Mark Andre, Fleury Knight, let me know. Because. A friend of mine that goes to a lot of games with me, I know he would like to have one. And his reply is, yes, we will keep an eye out for it. And the the, the, the way this question was phrased, it just made it sound like he thought he was talking to a 10-year-old. What is your favorite part about Mark andre Fleury? <laughs> I answered that. I just, You're I didn't, but I thought, what is your favorite part? I don't, I mean, I'm not a puck bunny. I'm not going to say, gosh, he's got a luscious butt. I'm not a purr. I'm not going to say, well, he's got a pretty hot wife. I don't know. I don't know how you answer that question without either A, sounding like a 10-year-old, or B, sounding like a complete perp. <laughs> Uh, well, I'm going to tell you, in future shows, I'm looking for the answer to that question. Or maybe we'll take it on to the hockey show that we have there. <laughs> so I think you're going to think about this and we'll come up with an answer for that for me. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> my uh, my shout-out is going to be to all of those people across America who didn't watch the Super Bowl on Sunday because I didn't watch any of it either. I just saw what the score was the next morning. I'm going to say shout out to you guys because I don't care about football either. So there we go. That's my shout out for this week, Kevin. Well, that's what happened. Taylor Swift won the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, that's that's the way it would sound. I'm not sure. You know, well, Kevin I and I went once. Go ahead. I was talking guy that was a Chiefs fan. Uh, he used to work with me, and now he's retired. I go, Steve. As a Chiefs fan, what do you think of this whole Taylor Swift stuff? He goes, I am so, so sick of it. And, you know, I thought with the attention you gave 
her and there was someone in her booth that looked, she looked like um uh she looked like little orphan annie that went s- s- satanic flashing um satanic symbols of wearing an upside down cross i mean it was just horrible pick her crowd a little better taylor um that attention you gave her, you could. I'm sure there's a lot of other stories on the Chiefs about maybe a guy that busts his butt on special teams and never gets any recognition. How about talking about that instead of droning on this Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift are dating? Uh, you know what? Who cares? They'll break up someday and then that'll be her next album. So be it. Move on, folks. I'm with you. Uh, again, I don't, I could care, Taylor Swift, I could care less with about it all. I couldn't even name you one song she sang. Kevin, that's what I'm going to tell you. So, and don't want to know. No, no interest. I just can say it front. No interest whatsoever. So, beautiful. Well, Kevin and I want to once again thank Tanner Hoops for joining us this week. For Kevin Luco, I'm Rob Paneer. We'll see you next week on This Week in the Association. <laughs>